part twelve of anne severn and the fieldings by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part twelve colin gerald and anne chapter one he went through the wide empty house looking through all the rooms trying to find some memory of the happiness he had had there long ago the house was full of anne anne's figure crossed the floors before him her head turned over her shoulder to see if he were coming her voice called to him from the doorways her running feet sounded on the stairs that was her place at the table that was the armchair she used to curl up in just there on the landing he had kissed her when he went to school they had given his mother's room to maisie and they had put his things into the room beyond his father's room everything was in its place as it had been in his father's time the great wardrobe the white marble-topped washstand the bed he had died on he saw him lying there and anne going to and fro between the washstand and the bed the parrot curtains hung from the windows straight and still gerald shuddered as he looked at these things he had thought that he would want to sleep in that room because he was married because maisie would have the room it led out of but he couldn't sleep in it he couldn't stay in it a minute he would never pass its door without that sickening pang of memory he moved his things across the gallery into anne's room he would sleep there he would sleep in the white bed that anne had slept in he told himself that he had to be near colin there was only the passage between and their doors could stand open that was why he wanted to sleep there but he knew that was not why he wanted to sleep there because there was no other room where he could feel anne so near him where he could see her so clearly when the dawn came she would be with him sitting in her chair by the window the window looked to the west to upper speed in the manor farm house the house was down there behind the trees and somewhere there jutting out above the porch was the window of anne's room he looked at his watch one o'clock at two he would go and see anne chapter two when gerald called at the manor farm house anne was out old bollinger came slouching up from the farmyard to tell him that miss anne had gone up to the far acres field to try the new tractor the far acres field lay at the western end of the estate gerald followed her there five furrows five bright brown bands on the sallow stubble marked out the far acres into five plots in the turning space at the top corner he saw anne on her black horse and colin standing beside her with a great clanking and clanging the new american tractor struggled towards them up the hill dragging its plough it stopped and turned at the headland as gerald came up a clear light wind blew over the hill and he felt a sudden happiness and excitement he was beginning to take an interest in his land he shouted i say anne you look like napoleon at the battle of waterloo oh not waterloo i hope i'm going to win my battle well marengo austerlitz whatever battles he did win does curtis understand that infernal thing young curtis sulky and stolid on his driver's seat stared at his new master yes he's been taught motor mechanics he's quite good at it if only he'd do what you tell him curtis i said you were not to use those discoulters for this field i've had three smashed in two weeks they're no earthly good for stony soil tisn't so bad here as it is at the east end miss well we'll see you can let her go now 
with a fearful grinding and clanking the tractor started the revolving disc-coulter cut the earth the three great shares gripped it and turned it on one side but the earth instead of slanting off clear from the furrows fell back again anne dismounted and ran after the tractor and stopped it he hasn't got his plough set right she said it's too deep in she stooped and did something mysterious and efficient with a lever the wheels dipped raising the shares to their right level and the tractor set off again this time the earth parted clean from the furrows with a noise of surge and three slanting glistening waves ran the length of the field in the wake of the triple plough oh gerald look at those three lovely furrows look at the pace it goes this field will be ploughed up in a day or two colin aren't you pleased the tractor was coming towards them making a most horrible noise no he said i don't like the row it makes can i go now that i've seen what the beastly thing can do yes you'd better go if you can't stand it colin went with quick desperate strides down the field away from the terrifying sound of the tractor they looked after him sorrowfully he's not right yet i don't think he'll ever be able to stand noises you must give him time anne time he's had three years it's heartbreaking i must just keep him out of the way of the tractors that's all she mounted her horse and went riding up and down the field abreast of the plough gerald waited for her at the gate of the field chapter three it was sunday evening between five and six anne was in the house in the great jacobean room on the first floor barker had judged it too large and too dilapidated to live in and it had been left empty in his time elliot had had it restored and gerald had furnished it black oak bookcases from the manor stretched along the walls for gerald had given elliot half of their father's books this room would be elliot's library when he came down it was now anne's sitting-room the leaded windows were thrown open to the grey evening in a drizzling rain but a fire blazed on the great hearth under the arch of the carved stone chimney-piece anne's couch was drawn up before it she lay stretched out on it tired with her week's work she was all alone in the house the gardener and his wife went out together every sunday to spend the evening with their families at medlicote or wick she was not sorry when they were gone the stillness of the house rested her but she missed colin last sunday he had been there sitting beside her in his chair by the hearth reading to-day he was with gerald at the manor the soft drizzle turned to a quick patter of rain a curtain of rain fell covering the grey fields between the farm and the manor cutting her off she was listening to the rain when she heard the click of the gate and feet on the garden path they stopped on the flagstones under her window gerald's voice called up to her anne anne are you there can i come up rather he came rushing up the stairs he was in the room now how nice of you to come on this beastly evening that's why i came i thought it would be so rotten for you all alone down here what have you done with colin left him up there he was making no end of a row on the piano oh gerald if he's playing again he'll be all right he didn't sound as if there was much the matter with him you never can tell he can't stand those tractors we must keep him away from the beastly things i suppose we've got to have em i'm afraid so they save no end of labour and labour's short and dear is that why you've been working yourself to death i haven't why do i look dead no elliot told me he saw you at it 
i only take a hand at hay time and harvest all the rest of the year it's just riding about and seeing that other people work and colin does half of that now all the same i think it's about time you stopped but if i stop the whole thing'll stop the men must have somebody over them there's me you don't know anything about farming jerry dear you don't know a teg from a weather i suppose i can learn if colin's learnt or i can get another barker oh not so easy don't you like my looking after your land then aren't you pleased with me i haven't done so badly you know seven hundred acres you've been simply splendid i shall never forget what you've done and i shall never forgive myself for letting you do it i'd no idea what it meant it's only meant that colin's better and i've been happier than i ever thought i could have been happier weren't you happy then she didn't answer they were on dangerous ground if they began talking about happiness if i gave it up to-morrow she said i should only go and work on another farm would you gerald do you want me to go want you yes you did once at least you wanted to get away from me i didn't know what i was doing if i had known i shouldn't have done it i can't talk about that anne it doesn't bear thinking about no but gerald tell me the truth do you want me to go because of colin colin yes because of what your mother told you how do you know what she told me she told elliot and he told you good god what was he thinking of he thought it better for me to know it it was better how could it be i can't tell you gerald it isn't true i know it isn't but you thought it was when did i think it then when you came to see me did i yes and you're not going to lie about it now well if i did i paid for it what did he mean paid for it it was she who had paid when did you know it wasn't true she said three months after when elliot wrote and told me it was too late then if only you'd told me at the time why didn't you but i didn't know you thought it how could i know no how could you who would have believed that things could have happened so damnably as that but it's all right now why did you say it was too late because it was too late i was married what do you mean i mean that i lied when i told you it made no difference it made that difference if i hadn't thought that you and colin were if i hadn't thought that i wouldn't have married maisie i'd have married you don't say that gerald well you asked for the truth and there it is she got up and walked away from him to the window he followed her there she spread out her hands to the cold rain it's raining still she said he caught back her hands would you have married me don't gerald don't it's cruel of you he was holding her by her hands would you tell me tell me let go my hands then he let them go they turned back to the fireplace and shivered she held herself to the warmth you haven't told me he said no i haven't told you she repeated stupidly that's because you would that's because you love me you do love me i've always loved you she spoke as if from some far-off place as if the eternity of her love removed her from him put her beyond his reach but what's the good of talking about it she said all the good in the world we owed each other the truth we know it now we know where we are we needn't humbug ourselves and each other any more you see what comes of keeping back the truth 
look how we've had to pay for it you and me would you rather go on thinking i didn't care for you no gerald no i'm only wondering what we're to do next next yes that's why you want me to go away it isn't it's why i want you to stay i want you to leave off working and do all the jolly things we used to do you mustn't make me leave off working it's my only chance they turned restlessly from the fireplace to the couch they sat one at each end of it still for a long time without speaking the fire died down the evening darkened in the rain the twilight came between them poignant and disquieting dimming their faces making them strange and wonderful to each other their bodies loomed up through it wonderful and strange the high white stone chimney-piece glimmered like an arch into some inner place outside from the church below the farmhouse the bell tinkled for service it ceased suddenly they rose and he came towards her to take her in his arms she beat down his hands and hung on them keeping him off don't jerry please please don't hold me oh anne let me you let me once don't you remember we can't now we mustn't and yet she knew that it would happen in some time in some way but not now not like this we mustn't don't you want me to take you in my arms no not that what then he pressed tighter i want you not to hurt maisie it's too late to think of maisie now i'm not thinking of her i'm thinking of you you'll hurt yourself frightfully if you hurt her she wrenched his hands apart and went from him to the door what are you going to do he said i'm going to fetch the lamp she left him standing there a few minutes later she came back carrying the lighted lamp he took it from her and set it on the table and now now you're going back to colin and we're both going to be good you do want to be good don't you yes but i don't see how we're going to manage it we could manage it if we didn't see each other if i went away and you wouldn't you can't mean that i couldn't stand not seeing you you couldn't stand it either i have stood it i can stand it again you can't not now it's all different i swear i'll be decent i won't say another word if only you won't go i don't see how i can very well there's the land no colin must look after that i'll go when the ploughing's done and some day you'll be glad i went go go you'll find out then their tenderness was over something hard and defiant had come into them with the light he was at the door now and you'll come back he said you'll see you'll come back end of part twelve recording by expatriate in bangor maine